Good morning. You will see in your bulletin, we're going to talk about the weight we carry. My wife's name is Carrie, and she joked with me this morning, make sure it's not the weight of Carrie. <laughs> but the weight we carry. I'm not talking about the extra pounds that we get over the holidays or the five-pound purses that I've seen some ladies carry or the wallets of the guys that have so much junk they can't quite close it. I'm talking about what the Bible refers to, the cares of life. Turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 21, starting in verse 34. Luke 21, starting in verse 34. To set the scene, Jesus is in Jerusalem for the last time before his crucifixion. And for me, when somebody is nearing death, I pay close attention to what's said. He's the son of God. He knows that death will not hold him, but he also knows the importance of what he needs to say. And He's in the middle of talking about him coming again. And in that, we're going to start in verse 34. He says, But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. 34, For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Jesus starts off with, but watch yourselves. We know that terminology. If your husband's on the roof messing around, you say, watch yourself. We'll follow that roof, right? Neighbor's dog's a little mean. Your kids go by. Watch yourself. That dog bites. It's always a warning. We don't say, watch yourself, you're going to walk through some flowers. We don't say that. Watch yourself, there's birds singing outside. It's always a warning, and it's a warning here. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down. Today, I'm going to ask for that we self-evaluate ourselves. So the question I have for us out of the gate is, is your heart weighed down? Your initial response may be no, but let's see. What does your heart get weighed down by? First, he says, hearts weighed down with dissipation. Dissipation synonym is debauchery. In the Greek, it's literally translated Tossing your head. In physics, if energy dissipates, it loses its energy. You could see it as basically losing your way. So, weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness, I think we know what that is. 
and cares of this life. That's what I'm going to focus on today, the cares of this life. Now, with all of us here, there's no possible way that I could grab all the cares of the life that we deal with. I've chosen six. We're going to look at those today, and then we're going to look at how God addresses them and how heavy they can be. The first one, you knew I had visuals, I always do. The first one we're going to talk about is sin. Now this, we're all given because we're born into sin. Weight comes. Not because you started out and you thought, oh, no, you were born into it. We are children of wrath, the Bible says. Sin, right out of the gate. Now, you might be sitting there, well, I'm a Christian. Jesus has taken that sin, absolutely. But, if you're not a Christian, you will carry this for the rest of your life. If you are a Christian, it is possible that you have unrepentant sin. Meaning, God's taken care of it, but you're still holding on to it. And so, you carry it. The next one I have, and this will be fun for everyone, is worry. Uh-oh. Worry. Or anxiety. They go hand in hand. I don't know what you worry about, but I know you worry. We're human. So what do we do with that worry? Do you worry about tomorrow? Do you worry about this country? Do you worry about your children? Do you worry about your job? Do you worry? And so we carry it. The next one we carry is anger. Uh-oh. Anger. I don't know what you're angry about. You might not know what you're angry about. Maybe you're angry at your employer, angry at your spouse, angry that you didn't get something you thought you should get. Whatever it is, you carry it. Angry. An old tide to angry comes a little resentment. I want to be clear here. You're seeing these, but know that for each of us, they are going to vary in size. So your resentment may be this big. Somebody else's may be this big. Either way, it's weight. Resentment may be to your parents. They didn't do me right. Resentment to your employer. They didn't give me that raise I deserved. Resentment to whoever. Somebody has slighted you and you have kept it. And you carry it. The next one. is grief. Now, I want you to make clear that you understand me. I'm not saying you can't grieve. When you lose someone, a, a loved one, grieving is normal. There was even a time, and may still be out there, that people thought you weren't spiritual if you cried for someone you lost. That's nonsense. 
Jesus cried. Grief. When does it become something you carry? Well, grieving is normal. It's healthy. You cry. You miss somebody. But when you never get past the place of their death, and it alters your life from then on, you carry the grief. We've talked about sin. We've talked about worry. We've talked about anger. We've talked about resentment. The last one today, we're going to talk about guilt. Guilt. I carry guilt because maybe someone died and I didn't say what I should have said. Or maybe if I'd have stayed with them longer, they wouldn't have gotten that car. Or maybe there's sin of guilt. I can't get over what I did. So I carry guilt. And... We have something to carry. Let's see where we carry it. Same verse. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down. I'm carrying that weight in my heart. So, if you'll imagine with me that this is attached to my heart. I'm carrying these cares of the world. Uh, it's hard to get something done. Maybe hard to serve the Lord. Hard to focus on where I need to be. That's Jesus' point. When he says, And that day upon you come. Uh, sorry, day upon you suddenly like a trap. He's saying you're so focused on the cares of this world that you're not paying attention to me. If I was to ask you how heavy is what I'm carrying, some of you may be able to eyeball it and go, oh, that's 16 pounds, 20 pounds. 12 pounds, but I didn't ask you the weight of it. I said, how heavy is it? How heavy it is all depends on how long I carry it. If I tried to hold this through the service, my arm would begin to shake, and eventually there would be pain. That's the way it always is on what we carry. You can only carry things for so long before it causes you pain. So what do we do with it? How do I get rid of this? Well, simple, but not so simple. Matthew 11, 28 and 30. Matthew 11, 28 and 30. Jesus said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. I will give you rest. 
He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is really talking to non-believers there. He's saying, you can't make your way into heaven. Come to me, and I'll give you rest. But it's also for us. Peter puts it this way. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. We're not meant to carry that. But we do. Jesus could have just had a blanket statement like that. Bring all your cares upon me. But he addresses each one. The first one we're going to look at is sin. Now for you eagle eyes, don't go, that's not the same stone he pulled out for sin a minute ago. (laughs) Just bear with me. Sin. Right? All through the Bible it talks about how Jesus takes our sin. In John 1, uh, 29, John the Baptist is standing around with his disciples. Jesus is newly on the scene, and Jesus walks by, and John says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He takes it. Now, if you've never asked Jesus to take this, believe that he died on the cross and rose again, asked him to come in your life, you will carry, as I said, this for the rest of your life. And when you die, you'll go to hell. There's no color coding it. That is reality. If you're a Christian and you're carrying this, I'm going to be blunt as I can be. Why? Why? You don't have to do that. You might say, well, I've got an addiction. Okay, I understand addiction. I also understand you can put things in place. If you want to get done with it, get done with it. And you take that sin, you hand it to the Lord Jesus, and you unburden yourself. Are we going to sin again? Yes. But I'm talking about unrepentant, habitual sin that you know you have in your life and you refuse to let go of. You'll carry it. And the longer you carry it, the heavier it gets. The next one, worry and anxiety. It got bigger. Worry and anxiety. Let's look at what Jesus said about that. Turn with me to Matthew 6, verse 25. Matthew 6, 25. This is during Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 6, 25. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink nor about your body, what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. 
Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? I'm going to repeat that. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? And you could put in whatever you wanted to put in there. Where am I going to go to college? Who am I going to marry? How's this, going to, how's this ailment going to come out for me? 32. For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I think we all know that. Worry. Every one of these stones that we carry add nothing to our life. It is no benefit What does it gain me to worry about my job? Does it keep it from me losing it? No, it doesn't. It just keeps me up at night. So hand it to the Lord and let it go. I'm going to skip one and come back. Guilt. Guilt. What does the Lord say about guilt? Psalms 103:12. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. What does that mean? It means it is infinite his forgiveness. And I've said this before and I will say it again. If God forgives you, who are you not to forgive yourself? You messed up. We're human. We mess up. It's how you get up and go forward. Put it down. Hand it to the Lord. There's no reason to carry guilt. Forgive yourself. He forgave you. Anger. Now, If you want to know what happens to you, if you stay angry, just read some Proverbs. There's plenty in there. It's not good. I'll just let you know. Anger. I could read you scriptures from Proverbs about being angry, but I like to tell stories. So let's turn to Jonah. Jonah chapter 3, verse 10. You could call Jonah the angry prophet. 
Jonah chapter 3, verse 10. Set the scene for you. This is after the well. He's already preached to Nineveh. And if you don't know this, he doesn't like Nineveh. They have been enemies to Israel. The reason he fled is because he didn't want God to save them. It wasn't that he was scared of speaking. Anger. So here we go. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 10. When God saw what they did, because Nineveh repented, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. So watch old Jonah here. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, is not this what I said when I yet in my, was in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. That's angry. That's a little, uh, you might call that a little overkill. But Jonah wants them dead so much, God's not going to kill them. Just kill me. He's angry. And what does our patient father say? And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? I wonder, when we get angry about nonsense, somebody cuts us off, somebody speaks to us like we don't think they should, something happens and we're angry. What if we had that voice? Do you do well to be angry? What does it gain you? I get to vent my frustrations. Are you more relaxed now? Let's go on. Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. Basically, Jonah's still in hopes that God's going to destroy Nineveh, and he went and got a ringside seat. He's going to watch this place burn. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from the discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. So now he's in the shade going to watch a city burn. He's happy. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind And the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. That's an overreaction to being hot. Verse 9, But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry? For the plant? 
And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow. Which you came into being in the night and perished in the night. And should, I, should not I pity Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? God doesn't even address that last outburst. He gives him a visual. You're so upset about this plant that gave you shade and died. Now you want to die because you're in the heat. But you're not upset about the 120,000 people that you're okay with me killing. A little perspective. Do we do good to be angry? No, is the answer. Put it away. Hand it to the Lord and let him handle it. Resentment. Oh, boy. Resentment. You might call it an angry slow burn. Might even call it unforgiveness. Somebody has done something to me, and I will never forget it. So, let's look at another story. Turn with me to Matthew 18, verse 21. Matthew 18, verse 21. Matthew 18, verse 21. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> this is my opinion. My opinion is somebody had done something to Peter. Strictly my opinion. It's not biblical. I just think that's what happened. Because Peter wants to know how many times he's got to forgive somebody. Right? Uh, verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, talking about Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me? And I forgive him. As many as seven times, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Does that mean if somebody does something 77 times and at 78th you don't forgive them? No. Jesus was giving an illustration. You always forgive them. So he gave this little parable. Verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. You need to understand, for that time frame, that was money unimaginable to them. That would be me going 100,000 million trillion and just give a number that doesn't exist. It was beyond comprehension of what this man owed the king. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. So not only does he not put him in jail, 
he clears the balance. You don't owe me anything. We're good. Verse 28. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Would have been about three months pay. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. It's pretty heavy. What he's saying is, if you've got resentment, unforgiveness for somebody, you better forgive them. Because he's forgiven you. Forgive them and put it away. Hand it to the Lord. Let it be done. Resentment's gone. We've done sin. We've done worry. We've done guilt. We've done anger. We've done resentment. And now we do grief. How do I... Let go of the grief that I've carried all this time. Well, like with anything, you give it to the Lord. Psalms 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Psalms 73, 26 says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Matthew 5, 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Grief. It's not an easy one. It can, if you don't let go of it, it can impact your family. It can impact you. It can change who you are. So how do you let go of that and give that to God? You start by prayer and start by realizing that everybody dies. It's a part of life. It's appointed to us to do so. My dad died a few years ago. It was sudden. Wasn't expecting it. But I can't tell you today, I can't tell you when that was. Because for me, his death is not important, but I can tell you about his life. I still miss him, but I don't grieve him. It's okay to move on. So if you've carried this for so long, 
hand it to the Lord. Put it down. Ah. You might be out there today and go, well, that's easier said than done. I need some help with that. You have a body of believers here. One of the things that we can do for each other is support each other. And this church is fantastic at that. But you got to open up. And church body, if somebody, if you ask them how they're doing and they don't just say, I'm good, and they actually tell you how they're doing, listen, pray for them, follow up with them. In 1 Corinthians 12, 25 through 26, it says, So that there may be no division in the body, but that members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. It's okay to talk to your brothers and sisters in Christ about what you're going through. We're in this together. That's why we're called a body. If you need help to put some of those cares of life down, it's okay to talk to somebody. You might be out there today and you, you say, well, Kirk, that's great. But I've been praying that what I'm going through, God will take from me, and he hasn't taken it from me. I want to be clear, that's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about what we carry in our hearts. See, a lot of times we'll pray that the illness is removed. We'll pray that the problem is gone. We'll pray that whatever we're going through, God just takes away, and he doesn't. And we go... When David was writing about going through the valley of death. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for God is with me. David didn't write, well, I prayed and I didn't have to go to the valley. Did he? We have life here. You're going to have trouble. The Bible says it. Sometimes if it hasn't been cleared. Maybe we pray, God, help me through this instead of God, take this from me. Paul had a thorn in his side. Some theologians think it was a person. Some think it was actually physically a problem for him. And he prayed and prayed that God would take it from him and God did not. And Paul is one of the greatest apostles Maybe the greatest that ever lived. Why didn't God take it? My personal opinion is because Paul needed to be humbled. That's my opinion. I can't tell you why because the Bible doesn't say. All I know is God didn't take it. But you know he was with him through it. I'm going to end with this we've covered sin we've covered worry we've covered guilt we've covered anger and resentment 
and grief. Turn with me to Acts chapter 12, verse 6. I'm going to set the stage for you. Peter has been arrested by Rome. Herod. Not Herod the Great, down the line there. And before him was the Apostle James, who has already been killed. And old Herod saw that it pleased the Jews so much that he killed James. Peter's next. And that's where we find Peter. We find him on the eve of being killed. Acts chapter 12, verse 6. Now when Herod was about to bring him out, that bring him out means he's going to be killed. On that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. It would have been bright. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up, quickly, and the chains fell off his hands. If you continue reading, the angel leads him out. But what I want you to see is, Peter is going to die tomorrow. He's chained to two soldiers on either side of him. And what is he doing? He's sleeping. I don't know about you, but I'm not used to sleeping, one, with chains on me, and two, next to two men. He's sound asleep. So much so that the angel has to get him in the side. Get up. Get up. He's sound asleep. What does that tell us about Peter? It tells us that the cares of this life are gone. Peter no longer carried them. He is completely obedient and content in where he is. His heart is not weighed down. In Proverbs 3.24, it says, If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. That's my hope for us today. My hope today is that we get all these things that we're carrying and we hand them to the Lord today. My hope for you is that when you sleep that it's sweet because there's nothing keeping you awake. So we're going to do something a little different today. Terry and Michelle are going to play. And I'm going to ask, before we sing our normal song out of here, that we bow our heads and we close our eyes. Because how great would it be that as a body we could walk out of here today and not be carrying anything on our heart. That the weight of our heart would be freed. That you could sleep sweetly.
Bow your heads, close your eyes. What I ask of you is this, that as you pray, if you don't know what you're carrying, ask the Lord to tell you. He'll reveal it to you. He'll bring something to your mind. But most of us already know. And if you know what you're carrying, hand it over. We're free. He's made us free. And if you're here today and you know you're carrying sin because you've never believed in Jesus Christ, that He rose from the dead, died for your sins, you've never asked for forgiveness of those sins, today's the day. I'm up here, Brian's up here, Terry's on the piano. We would be glad to open the Bible up and let you put that sin down. Father God, I pray for everybody here that they would be real with you and real with themselves that we would free our hearts today and walk out of here better, freer. There is nothing that you can't carry and we're so grateful for that. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.